Well, good morning, church. Hey, I got, I got to watch online last week, but first of all, I got a new chair. So thanks for your giving. Um, no, I, Kristen has been harping on me for a year. She's like, Pastor Stan, you got to get a different chair. You got to get a different chair. I was like, I like my chair because I like comfort. And I like, it fits my rear end really good because I've been sitting in it for like 15, 20 years, however old it is. And, uh, and she showed me a picture. I get this text message and she's like, what about this? And I was like, that looks good. It looks good. So I actually sat in it. It was good. I preached the best sermon I've ever preached since I sat in this chair. Um, the only thing I'm going to do to it, and we're at odds here, but I'm the king, I'm the boss, is I'm going to cut a hole in this bad boy so that when she grabs it, she can do it with one hand and she keeps telling me no. I said yes to the chair. You have to say yes to the hole. Um, that's how it works. Amen. That's how it works. Well, I'm so glad you're here. Again, if you're here for the first time or you're newer, uh, man, we're going places. I'm, I'm so excited uh, to what this future holds with our building, and uh, we're going to again be showing that. And again, if you are, um, if you come to the church, you can come to the meeting. Uh, it's just those who signed the paper, like the voting thing. Uh, we had a bylaw thing we're going to change, um, uh, just a simple thing. Uh, but we're going to share some vision. We're going to share, again, uh, the financial blessings that we have seen as a church family, um, because it's always been said that, that people will give to vision. And I, I'm so excited that, uh, again, last week we had nine people baptized, okay? And if you got baptized last week, praise God, it was fun. Um, and uh, got to watch from home and we're out of quarantining now. And uh, I feel pretty good. I had like 23 days of not feeling well. Um, so if I act a little spastic today, it's because I'm excited to be in the house of God. Um, and there's no better place for you to be on a Sunday morning than in God's house. Amen. This is the place to be, and I'm excited of what we're doing, where we're going. Uh, but this is Vision Sunday. It's, it's a Sunday where we kind of talk again about what, what does God want from you? What does he want from me? And the, the title of the message is, is, where's my joy? Where's my joy? Because I know in our culture today, it appears and it seems like there's so many Christians that they're just missing joy. Like how many people do you know that could say, man, they, you know, they're, they're always amped up. They're always excited about Jesus. And, and most of us go, there's not that many people. And, and there should be, right? I mean, think about it, guys. We got saved. If you give your life to Jesus Christ, we got saved from an eternity in hell. Now, that's something in the morning that you get up and say, Jesus, thank you. A lot of things are going on in the world. But thank you that I get to go to heaven when I die. Thank you for that. And that should cause us to be a little more joyful in our world, okay? And, and I want to, I have a little opening statement here, and, and I just wanted to write this down, and, and just, I just said, first of all, let's be real. I'm going to lay a foundation. Uh, we're going to be in Hebrews 12. Uh, again, titles, Where's My Joy? So we're going to get to the Bible. For those of you who go, he hasn't read a scripture yet. We're going to talk about legalism in a little bit, um, okay? <laughs> and so uh, we'll get to the scripture. But I want to lay this foundation, okay? Most of you showed up today hoping to hear something that challenges you. Okay, something that helps you feel better about life, something that gives you a little bit of hope, a little bit of joy that you can leave this place different than you came in, all right? We need to leave change so we can live changed. And we don't always like change, all right? I was pretty happy with the stool that I've been sitting on for I don't know how many years, right? But this thing's pretty cool. I mean, it's got better bearings. It, it, it's, I, I, Pastor Stevie, before church, he's like, yeah, you might want to sit in it to see if, you know, if it fits you because of you know, your leg length and make sure. And I'm like, is it a Zacchaeus chair? He's like, is that what it is? And it, if, you don't, if you don't know anything about the Bible, you know, Zacchaeus was this little short dude that had to climb up in a tree to see Jesus. And, and, uh, and so no Zacchaeus jokes today. But, but I like the chair, right? Change is hard for me sometimes. And, and, and Kristen's not just happy that I got in a chair. She says, and they make these new pulpit things. 
that are actually curved. And, and now she's planting more seeds. It's like, she's like, oh, I got him to change now. Um, she's been doing it to Pastor Stevie for 11 years now, trying to change you. And you'll get there. You'll get there. But it's very possible that next week I'll be preaching from an anointed table like Pastor Stevie does. Um, but I, I'm happy with the music stand because of the angle, okay? It's about the angles. But there's things in our lives that we need to change, okay? But you want to go home today, glad that you came in, and I hope that you do. Part of it is my job is to, to make you glad that you came. Now, let's, let's be real here. Sometimes it's like going to the gym, because if you go to the gym and you leave the gym and you're never sore from going to the gym, you didn't work out. Amen. Like you didn't work out. You might have looked good, but you didn't work out. Maybe you may not look good, but, but if we work out, okay, when we work out muscles that we haven't worked out in a long time or you worked hard, okay, you get sore. Like you can feel the, the, the pain in your muscles. Why? Because your muscles need to tear in order to get bigger. That's what Pastor Stevie says anyway, because um, he goes to the gym. I support him in going to the gym. I'm like, bro, just go to the gym. He goes for me. Uh, now, I, I'm pretty good at hiking, but I'm not like a gym person. Okay, I wouldn't be a gym rat. I'd be a gym mouse. <laughs> let's, just go, let's just go there, right? I have to get these jokes out so when he preaches next, he has nothing to say. Because um, we like to take shots at each other because we're buds, all right? All right. I, I read a story. I don't know if you know who John Maxwell is. He's a, a leadership guy. He's pretty big, pretty famous, and a, just a really good dude. He pastored a church for about 20 years um, in a little town called Hillham, Indiana. And, um, it was pretty successful. He's a really good leader. But when he went into leadership, um, he, he resigned his pastorate position and, and began to just do leadership. And he's a very much a Jesus follower, um, incorporates that in his leadership. But he tells a story uh, about where he, he preached, I believe, or spoke at a, a women's conference, like this leadership thing, and him and his wife did it. And so he, he He's talking about this story of, of them doing a question and answer time. And, and so, you know, he, John's, he's having a good time. It's a good, good conference. He's a very likable person. Um, I've met him. Uh, I talked to him for a while. Just a really good guy. And, uh, and he tells a story about the question and answer time. And he's sitting there with his wife. And a lady in the, in the audience, you know, raises her hand. And they're like, yes. And she said, she asked this question. She says, does John make you happy? And, and John Maxwell goes, you know, I, I love the question. You know, and he said, I, I knew that she was now going to brag on me about how great of a husband I am and, you know, how I make her happy. And so he's got this smile on his face. Like he's just ready for his wife to tell the women what they're missing in a husband. It's like, and, and so the question is asked, does John make you happy? And she said, no. <laughs> True story. And he's like, in his heart, like, what? Because, you know, he has this anticipation of what the answer is. And she goes on to explain, I used to, to, to wait for John to get home, like when we were first married, because when John got home, I would be happy. When, when John sat down with dinner at me and spent time with me, I would be happy. And she said, I, I realized that I was basing my happiness on him. Like I was counting on him to make me happy. And I realized that John cannot be the source of my happiness. So then John Maxwell rests a little bit easier in his chair of going, okay, that makes sense. Because you can't look at somebody or something to create happiness or joy in your life, okay? Joy and happiness, as a matter of fact, may come from a source that you're not expecting it to come from. That's what we're talking about today. Where's my joy? Okay, the fruits of the Spirit, if you're familiar with the Bible, the fruits of the Spirit, the first one is love. Okay, love then joy. 
Okay, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all that. Okay, joy is the second thing that's listed as a fruit of the Spirit. What's a fruit of the Spirit? It means when you give your life to Jesus Christ, there is fruit hanging off of you. Sometimes it's rotten, sometimes it's good. Hopefully most of the times it's good. But we have fruit, we produce something. And, and the Bible says okay, that, that the fruit of joy should be evident in a Christian's life. It should be there. People should see joy in your life. When I was about 10 years old, my mom and I went hunting and uh, she had her little 30-30 and we were at my, my, my grandparents' ranch um, in Northern California. If anybody knows where Garberville, Alder Point is, it's inland from Eureka. Um, we were there at the ranch and, and my mom and I went hunting. And so we went to the place called the orchard. And, and so mom sat at the base of this apple tree. I climbed up in the apple tree and we're just watching and, and just about dark, this doe and a fawn come out and I'm just watching them. And again, those Zacchaeus jokes. I'm up in a tree, okay? If you don't know the story, go into a study. And so, so I'm just watching the doe and waiting for a buck and no buck comes out. So, you know, it gets dark. I climb down and mom and I are walking back to the ranch house and, and she says something about not seeing anything. I was like, no, you didn't see the doe and the fawn? She's like, no. Now my mom's four foot 11. My mom was probably watching online um, from Maui right now, suffering for Jesus in Maui. Um, and, uh, and, and she didn't see it. And I realized that it, it wasn't, Okay, it wasn't a, a, a problem with the fact. The problem was perspective. Yeah. And maybe that's where you are today. The problem isn't the fact. The problem is perspective. You see, because I climbed up in a tree, I had a different perspective than her on the ground. It didn't change the facts. The deer came out. But just because she didn't see it doesn't mean they weren't there. Now, God is doing something in your life even when you can't see it. You see, Jesus is up looking down and he's got a different perspective. He sees how your life plays out. He sees the decision that you'll make and he sees where your life going if you make the right decisions. But the fact is, I do not believe in predestination. I don't believe that everything is just all planned out. And you have, no, you have a choice. There's a reason Jesus says to pray about stuff. Okay? There's a reason that God says, no, you make the right decisions and right things will take place. God, is, God gave you free will, all right? You're not a bunch of robots. Um, Matter of fact, I have a confession to make. My wife and I, my wife and I, uh, I, I mentioned the Stepford Wives, um, I think last Wednesday night. And so we watched the original 1975 version of the Stepford Wives, right? And, and it was interesting, right? It was interesting. It's, it's, it's under a horror movie, which I guess if you had a robot for a wife, it would be a little bit horrible. Um, all right. And, and in, the, in the end, she dies. And I was like, what? what's up with that? Right? It's like the, you know, the, if you've never seen it, I'm not advocating you watching it. It's just if I'm going to preach on something and use it as an illustration, I probably should know what I'm talking about. Okay? You don't want a computerized wife, guys. Just trust me. You might think it's good, but it's not. Especially when they come at you with hankies that they're going to strangle you with. Because um, that's how it ended. Okay? God did not make you and program you to do what he wants. He gave you a choice. He gave you the free will to sin or to not sin, to serve him or not serve. It's all or it's nothing, right? We're gonna serve God or we're not gonna serve God. There's no halfway in, okay? But the problem again in, in our lives a lot of times was perspective. And so as a pastor, as our pastoral staff, as our preaching staff, here's, here's, here's what I want personally for you. I want you to be happy and joyful with life. I really do. I want you to be happy with, with, with how your life is. And I want you to think about something. And by the way, man, you guys sing like a choir this morning. So I, I personally am applauding you, all right? Because it's been a little rough the last couple of weeks. So it's like the fog that's outside has kind of settled. And, and Kristen, today, I think it broke. It felt, 
I looked and she disappeared. I was like, rapture. Uh, but because Pastor Stevie's still there, so I'm questioning that. Um, he's preaching. So, yeah, so am I. Problem is perspective, right? Uh, that's true. I'm here too. Touche, brother. Touche. Uh, the problem is perspective. It's how we look at things. But here's, here's the deal. Here's what visitors need to see. And if you're here for the first time, uh, I, I want you to know we are a charismatic church. Okay, we really are. I'm Pentecostal. You don't have to be, but I am. Okay, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I pray in tongues. I do that. Now, I'm not crazy-costal. Okay, I'm not, I'm not charismaniac, but I believe the Bible. And, it, and Paul says, don't forbid it, so I do it. And it's my prayer language in private. That's, that's, how, I, that's how I roll, okay? Uh, and it's, it's real, and it's there. If you want it, I really believe that. That's what we believe. But that's not what the Bible is all about. The Bible is all about the blood of Jesus Christ cleansing us from our sin. Amen. Everything else is just extra on top of that. But I want to I show you something here. Visitors need to see joy. They need to see us excited about what we believe. And here's why it's going to be on the screen. Why would a non-Christian want what you have, okay, if you don't appear to be happy about it? It's true. Have you ever seen a woman walk out of the mall with her head down and holding her bag of stuff? Like, I'm so disappointed I have all this stuff. No, bro, they come out, they're like, doo, 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 I got this stuff, and they're posting it. They're happy. If you go to, you know, a restaurant, and people are coming out just completely bummed, you would be like, what's going on in there? But guys, churches all across America, we're acting like we just came from a funeral. Not here, uh, church is down the road. Uh, not our church, okay? The non-charismatics, right? We are a charismatic church. We are, is it, isn't that a truth? Couldn't we stop right here? And just, okay. Why would a non-Christian want what you have if you don't appear to be happy about it? And that's why every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, we come and we clap and we sing. And now, some of you, you can't, you, you can clap, but you're just not with the rest of us. It's like, the, uh, we, I, we don't blame you, okay? We don't blame you, all right? But, but we need to be excited about it, okay? We're a charismatic church. We should act like it. I wrote this down. I'm going to say it. I said it first because I'm saying it online. As a church, we should be acting like we're on speed, not Benadryl. Okay? I'm not telling you you should take speed. I'm telling you you should act like it. Right? Sometimes we act like we're drinking decaf, all right? Here's a secret to living a joyful life, all right? And that's this. It's joy. And joy, as I taught this as a kid's pastor many years ago, and it stuck with me. Joy means Jesus, others, and you. Jesus, others, than you. Joy can only come when we put Jesus first. Okay? Joy can only come when we put others first. We come third. Okay? We're the last ones. But in our world, in our culture, it wants to tell you that joy and happiness comes from putting you first. Okay, we're all about self-care, and it's about me, and, and, and me, 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 me. And the more me I get the less we I see. Okay? The more it's about me, the less happy I am because we are a generation of kind of unhappy people. And we would think that looking at Hollywood and professional sports, that you know, if you're famous and you got a lot of money and you got a big house and nice cars, that you'd be all full of joy. But it's not, it's the opposite. All right? So, so the Apostle Paul is letting us in on something that he discovered after he gave his life to Jesus. Okay? He determined to live his life to help others through life. That's, that's what he wants. He's like, okay, I'm going to help you get through life. Because before he gave his life to Jesus, he was a religious person. He, he believed in God, absolutely, 100%. He followed Old Testament law. He was what was known as a Pharisee. He was a religious leader of the day. And he was a good one. He was a young man at a young age, very passionate, very passionate. 
And, and when Jesus came along, right, he never met Jesus physically, but he met Jesus later on. When Christianity started to grow, he began to persecute the church. Here's this guy who was a Pharisee. He, he was after money. He was after wealth, after fame. And when he started persecuting Christians, murdering Christians, dragging Christians off to jail and persecuting them, God, God looked down and said, I can use this passion. He's going in the wrong direction, but he's got passion. So if you have a strong-willed child, there is hope in Jesus' name. Yeah, you bring in the church, let us straighten them out if at all possible, because they won't always listen to you, but they will listen to Pastor Chase. They'll come home and be like, man, Pastor Chase said this. He'd be like, I've been saying that to you since you was born, boy. Because when it comes out of somebody else's mouth, it seems to hold a little more water, right? It's weird how that is. So keep your kids in church. They need it, okay? Well, Paul, was, he, was, man, he was living a selfish life. Again, he was religious and he was self-righteous. And those are the people that Jesus has the biggest problem with is religious people, legalistic people, okay? People that don't really love him. They talk it or they act, and they're all about the law, about do what they do, what they don't, and what they watch and what they don't watch. And they make it all about the law and not really about grace and mercy, Okay, so, so don't be legalistic, but don't be unholy either because there's a spectrum, right? You know, you'd be out getting plastered like, ah, I'm just not legalistic. No, but you're not righteous either, right? You're not righteous either. I led a drunk to Jesus one time. I don't think they remembered it. Probably didn't stick because they were drunk, but I did it anyway, okay? They were so ready to get saved. They were handcuffed to a hospital bed because I was with the police at that time. Um, and, and uh, you know, so... You can lead somebody that's handcuffed to a bed. They're ready to give their lives to Jesus. I don't remember why they were there, but they were there. I don't know if that one counted. <laughs> Probably get to heaven and God will have this check mark. Yeah, you let this maybe people to Christ. That one you counted, it don't count. Like they were intoxicated, don't worry. But here's the deal. The Pharisees were very self-centered. And here's what I know. Self-centered people are not peaceful, happy people. You do not know one. You do not know a person who is self-centered and, and just all about them that is happy. It just doesn't happen, okay? So, so self-centered people are not peaceful, happy people. What's that mean? We gotta do the opposite, right? But our world preaches this message. Make life about yourself, and we know this doesn't work. It's not producing it. It's not producing it. So um, I know plenty of generous people who are very happy people. And, and I'm not a mathematician. I struggled with math. Okay, math was not my thing. I was all about fixing engines and building things. Uh, my, my two brothers are very smart mathematically. My dad's very smart mathematically. I didn't get that gene. I got the gene that my mom has, and she's four foot 11. <laughs> got that gene, all right? Fortunately, that gene skipped my son. He's five, he's, he's, he's a, how tall is he? He's 5'11", so, all right, he got, he got the good tall gene. But of mathematical equation, I do know this. If stingy plus selfish equals unhappy, and generous plus selfless equals happiness, which one should we be doing, Okay. Because look at it, if we're stingy, we're selfish. And most people that are stingy and selfish, they, they don't think they're selfish. You ever seen those people that they're like, you're just selfish and they're the ones that are the most selfish? Okay. It just happens. But if we're generous plus selfless equals happiness and that's what we're after, that's how we need to be living. And again, in our world, we struggle with this. In Christianity, sometimes we struggle with this because we can take the flavor of the world and add it to our Kool-Aid and it's not working. So how can we be happy? How, how can we be joy? Well, it's by serving other people. So what kind of life we should be living? A life that is not all about us. Amen. Okay, we can't be listening to what the world is preaching. Again, the world says the more you get, the more happiness you have. And we just know that is not true. So if you, we're gonna get to the Bible. Just so you know, all right? Like I said, if you're out there legalistic, go, he hasn't got a scripture yet. You're the ones I'm talking to. Because we're gonna get there, okay? Because it's all biblical principle anyway. So if you want to feel good about life, live a life that makes a difference in the lives of other people. 
Again, I've never met a selfish person who was happy. So here Paul is in chapter 12, encouraging us to watch how we're living our life so we don't self-destruct because we all have a self-destruct button, every single one of us. We, we can make a decision today that destroys our lives, that destroys our testimony. Isn't that terrible? You can live 30, lives for G, or 30 years for Jesus and not make any major, and you can make one day and make one bad decision and blow it all up. It's not even fair, it's not even right, but that's how it is, okay? It's just, it's just crazy, it's that way. We all have this self-destruct button. Hebrews chapter 12, all right? We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Um, and again, uh, we're gonna talk about it just for a moment in verse one, and then we're gonna go to verse two. And we're only gonna cover really two verses today. Are you okay with that? Yeah. All right, because I believe that God would rather you live or read one verse and live it than read the entire Bible and not. All right, we should read our Bibles and we should read them every day. But here's what Paul, the apostle said, after he gives his life to Jesus Christ, all right, he was bragging about chapter 11. Chapter 11 was full of, of men and women who faithfully served God. It was full of men and women who made a lot of mistakes, okay? But, but he, he's talking, so when he references, he said, we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. He's talking about all these people that went through a lot of stuff and they made it. They still served God amidst their mess, amidst their problems, amidst their sin. They still chose to serve God. And he's bragging on them. Now, Paul's not writing this going, hey, I'm going you know, to be in the Bible someday. He's writing these letters to churches that he started, not thinking, okay, half of these are going to become the New Testament. I am the writer of God's word. Therefore, no, that, that's not what he's saying. He's just writing letters, encouraging his church family, like, hey, do this, don't do this, knock it off. He even gets on the two ladies in this one thing. He names them. <laughs> he calls them out like names. He goes like, you two need to get along. Lisa and Jennifer, because Lisa's not here. I don't know if there's Jennifer or not, but, but you guys, are, that's not their names, but he's, just, he's calling them out. Like you guys need to get along and stay focused. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us, this is what we learned last or two weeks ago, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance because you're going to need it, okay? Perseverance means it's going to be hard. Let us run with perseverance. It's the race that's marked out for us. There's a race and it's marked out. God knows how you need to live and he shows you how you need to live. We just have to choose not to take certain exits, right? It's marked out and it's easy. If you read the word of God, this is how I need to be living, all right? Four things we need to pay attention to. I've told this story for years and there's a story of a family who moved to this area that had a big lake. Okay. And so the dad was like, I want to be a good dad. So let's buy a boat. So the family's like, yeah, he knew nothing about boating. Never drove one, never didn't know anything. So they went to the boat place. They bought this nice boat and, and they put it in the water and they all get in and they're all excited. The kids are excited and they start driving and it's just sluggish. It won't go, it won't turn. And, and they're driving around going, man, this is weirder than I thought. It's harder than I thought. And, and they're out there for about an hour just going around and nothing's happened. They can't tow anybody. It's just a mess. So he pulls it back into the dock and he's complaining about the boat. Like, and some guy walks by on the dock and he's looking at this new boat and, and he's like, how was it? And the guy's like, this thing's terrible. It doesn't steer, has no power. I, this is just, something's not right. And the man looks down, he goes, you do realize the trailer's attached to your boat, right? <laughs> See, the Bible is telling us here that we're to let go of whatever hinders us. You're not intended to drive a boat with a trailer attached. And some of you are living life like that. That, that you have your past, you have the thing that maybe carried you to that spot, but the thing that carries you doesn't need to be the thing that stays with you, okay? And, and you gotta learn to unhook. Now, and I Google, I thought, is this a true story? Like, I really thought, was this a, can this be a true story? So I, I, I Googled it, it's a true story. 
That is a real picture that was passed around on Facebook of this man who resembles a man in our church who I will not talk about. I'm just kidding. No, I don't think it's anybody in our church. You see what's attached? And I thought this story I've been telling since I was a youth pastor is probably a true story because people really do. There's some words I want to use here that are not sinful, but that's not very smart, right? That is unknowledgeable. And the fact that somebody got a picture and passed it around, you know, it's even got the whole number on it. So we could probably locate who actually that is, but we want that because that's not very Christian to do. Um, Sometimes we do things that aren't Christian. They're just fun, right? And they got the trailer attached. And this person was like, it was in Mississippi, but it, it passed off. So it, it, it really happens. But guys, some of us are like that spiritually. Some of us are, we're unwilling or unknowingly carrying something with us that is hindering our walk. And if you are here today or listening online, if you're online, thanks for joining us. And you're trying to live life and you're like, this is not working. It could be that you still have sin attached to your life. And Jesus wants to unhook you of that, but you have to ask him to. And sometimes it takes a preacher to go, yo, bro, your trailer's still attached to the boat. (laughs) You can get rid of the trailer, all right? And, And then the boat will work the way it's supposed to work. And if we have sin attached to our lives, unrepentant sin, it is not going to help us be what God wants us to become. So we have to learn how to let that go. In verse two, and we'll close with this, and the closing's gonna be about 20 minutes. Just enough time to eat a meal. He goes into verse two, which is today. He says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. I love that. The author means that he is the one that puts your life together. He is the one that has a plan. He is the one that's writing your story or, or giving you options to write your story, right? He's the author. He's the one that invented you. And you have a story to live in. And it depends on what choices you make as to how it's going to. You ever read this choose your, advent, choose your own adventure books? Like when I was a kid, those were what it was. You could get to Patreon, you're on this wagon trail, and you come to a crossroads. Do you want to go right or left? And they don't tell you what's ahead. Uh, go right. You can turn the page, you know, print page 16. Go right. Oh, you were shot by Indians and died. Okay, you go back. Okay, go left. Okay, you hit a gold mine. Yay, right? Choose your own adventures like Christianity. Your decisions have a destination. Your decisions uh, determine how your life turns out. So he's the author and the perfecter of our faith, meaning that you're not perfect. When you get forgiven and you become a Christian, you're not perfect. The perfecter means it's a process, right? We go through things. So we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, okay? The author, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, I'm gonna read the next verse. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men that you will not go weary and lose heart. We'll preach that another time. But I wanna I want do something. I wanna I want live this verse out when it says, who the joy set before you. Why did Jesus go to the cross? What was it? Well, joy was set before him, okay? Joy was set before him. You see, in order for you to have joy, you gotta be cleansed. Now, this soap is an antibacterial soap. I can believe all I want that if I wash my hands with that, that my hands will be clean. Cleanliness is kind of a thing these days, right? If If I use it, I can believe it. I can believe that if I wash my hands, if my hands are all dirty and gross and they have bacteria all over, I can use this soap, wash it, rinse it off and my hands will be, I can believe that all I want. But if I don't apply it, 
If I don't put it on my hands and do it, what's the point? And there might be those of you today who you grew up in church or you know about God and you believe that Jesus died, but you've never asked him to forgive you. Guys, you are not a Christian. You are not saved at that point. You can believe it without accepting it. The devil believes that Jesus died for our sins. And I know where he's spending eternity. <laughs> the Bible says so, right? We have to apply it in order for Jesus. So, so the joy set before him, and again, Paul's painting a picture here. He says, I want you to think about Jesus. I want you to fix your eyes on, on Jesus, okay? Not on the stuff, not the stuff you're facing. I want you, who the, the joy set before him endured what? Endured the cross, okay? In order to get the joy, you gotta, you gotta go through that. In order to get that, you gotta go through the cross. Well, we don't like that, do we? See, for, for Jesus to go to the cross, he had to be at a spot where he could look and he could see the joy and knowing in order to have that, I gotta go through that to get that. And the joy represents his church or joy represents you. Amen. See, he doesn't want a Stepford wife Christian. He wants a Christian who's going to choose to serve him not because he programmed us that way. Here's, here's what I know. A lot of us, we don't want really the cleansing. We don't want our place. What, what we want, you know what kind of joy we want? We want, we want... We want almond joy. That's what we want. And now's the time to have a little fun. All right? Hold on a second. I'm going to be correct here. You ready? Psych. All right? I'm going to throw some out. And you can eat them in church. They're holy. And they will make you... More like Jesus, I promise, all right? It, this is what we want. I want the almond joy. I want the sweet stuff. I want life to be good. I don't want to go through that. I sure don't want to go through that, but I want this. But even the almonds had to be shaken off the tree, okay? And, I, and as I was looking at this earlier, I went, wait a second. It says, jumbo bag, snack size. How can you have a snack size in a jumbo bag? Guys, this is not a jumbo bag. No. Jumbo bag's like yeah. a burlap sack, right? Yeah. That, this is not jumbo. This is why the world is feeding you a line of, of crud about what brings happiness, okay? Snack size jumbo bag. Uh, this is not a jumbo bag, okay? It's not, we, want, we want this, but, and we want the joy, but we don't want to do what it takes to get the joy. And so Paul, again, is telling us here, why did Jesus endure? How did he endure what he was facing? How did he endure the beatings? How did he endure the mocking? How did he endure what he had to go through? Because it wasn't just like he was, you know, nailed to a cross. He was beat severely. The Bible says that he was unrecognizable. He was so beat up, so bloody, so bruised, so swollen that he was like, that's not even Jesus. And a lot of times we, we, want, we, want, we want this without going through that. And, and that's... That's not realistic. But I will tell you something. There is a, a joy that when you get forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ, when what's inside is applied, okay, what's inside, when it's applied to your life, okay, you're going to experience the joy. Amen. It's not from getting, it's not from, you know, uh, hey, it's all about me. It's really all about serving God and serving other people. Does that make any sense to you? Yes. See, Paul realized again that the life he was living, okay, was a dead end a life that was centered around Old Testament law. And I will tell you, you can't be good enough trying to follow the law. You can't, 
right? You try to follow the law, you're gonna fail, and, and God's like, okay, you can't live by the law. Okay, you, some of y'all, you can't drive the speed limit. You, you, you can't drive 55, you can't. It's like Sammy Hagar wrote your life story on your driving ability. <laughs> and though you super Christians have no idea what song that is. Um, but those of us who were a little bit heathen-y, yep. all right? Right, because you, you, you probably went 56. Okay, my, my pickup has a little bit bigger tires on it. I realize that I'm three miles an hour faster than what it's showing. And, and I, I can go 55 and I'm actually going 58. And I can tell a police officer, well, my truck's wrong. It's not my fault, okay? No, no, it, it, it doesn't matter what my, my, my speedometer's saying, it's actually what I'm going. It doesn't matter what I think, it's, it's all about perspective, right? It's about what reality is and what the facts are. God wants to do something great in your life again, but we have to find the joy in giving lives. I'm going to show you something here. This is kind of cool. Paul mentioned all these heroes, and I, I ask you to encourage you to read Hebrews chapter 11, because again, it talks about the, the men and women that just served God by faith, Moses, by, by faith, Abraham. And then he goes on to talk about a prostitute, Rahab, by faith, hid the spies. And, and if you think prostitution is bad, the act is, but the prostitute's not. Okay, do you know how I know that? Because Jesus came from her lineage, all right? Came from her lineage. It's about the sin, not the sinner, all right? We're all about seeing sinners saved. We're not here as a, as a judge in a courtroom. We're here as a hospital to help people through their issues, right? And so, so you look through chapter 11, and, and this is interesting. There's a weird parallel here. They were all bankrupt spiritually, all of them. Chapter 11 is full of bankrupt people. You look at their lives and you look at the prostitute, you look at uh, Samson, you look at Jephthah, David, Barak, Gideon, you look at a lot of these people and, and they did not live holy lives their whole life. They were, they were serving God, but they did a lot of bad stuff. King David did just about everything that the Ten Commandments said not to. Like, you know, he had an affair, then he killed the husband to try to get her. I mean, he made a whole big old mess out of things. And yet he is lifted here, or listed here as a man of faith, as a man of God, as a man after God's own heart. And so I, want, I just wanted to point this out that, that they all had, or most of them had significant failures, but not one is mentioned in the New Testament. Not one, you can read their stories in the Old Testament, you go to the New Testament and they are listed in the chapter hall of faith as men and women of God. There's not one mention of what they did wrong. Why? Because their bankruptcy was covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, okay? By the sacrifice that God gave. And your life is no different. You might think, man, I was bankrupt. I did all this. And God's looking at you. You go, yeah, it's chapter 11. You're clear. You're good. Okay, your sin is forgiven. I don't remember. When your name gets written, okay, in the Lamb's book of life and in the, in, at the end of the age, when you're called up before God, God is not going to take the Christian and go, wow, man, that was close. It was like an election in the United States. It was like 49% to 51%, you know. It, God doesn't look at it that way. He looks at you and says, the blood of my son Jesus forgave you. You are clear. Amen. Not one of your sins is going to be brought up in heaven. Isn't that good? Because yeah. people bring them up here all the time, right? We're about the worst that we do it to ourselves. Fix our eyes on Jesus. I love it. Not one bankruptcy is mentioned in chapter 11, only what they did right. I love that about God, right? They overcame their failures and they determined to finish well, right? Now, something's missing when you live for legalism, I'll tell you that. So if problems, okay, here, we're gonna change this a little bit. If problems render you ineffective in life, especially in the kingdom of God, the devil will make sure that you have plenty of problems. He will. He'll make sure you have plenty. If problems keep you from doing what God wants you to do, the devil will be like, I'm gonna give you lots of problems. 
If he can trip you up, he's going to make sure to keep those problems. Here, here's what our, our problem is, is we focus on what's wrong when there's a whole lot going right. This morning, okay, some of y'all are focused on the, this is what's going wrong in my life. But you know what? You're breathing. Amen. You probably had a hot shower. You probably have food. Your car did not break down on the way to church that I know of. Okay, if it did, they're not here. And hopefully if you see somebody broke down from our church, you'll stop and pick them up. Yes. Right? Think about all the things that are going right in your life right now. We tend to focus on the one little thing that's wrong, but think about all the things that are going right. Yeah, I'm not saying you don't have things that are going wrong, but you have way more things going right than you have going wrong. Okay, Pastor Stevie talked last week about like the Syrian refugees, all right? You are not in Syria getting shot at for being a Christian. You are doing all right. We're in America. We're in a place where we can gather here together and worship God without a fear of a government or people coming in, right, and, and, and doing bad things to us. There's a lot more going right than, than what's going wrong. It's all about perspective. It's all about how you look at things. So I wanna, I wanna show you a little illustration here. I want you to tell me a problem, like what's a common problem people face? Fear. Okay, fear, good one, it's fear. I wanna write that down. Okay, fear. If I face fear, it could be fear of finances, fear of anything, okay? Okay, I have fear, okay, this is my fear. As I look at the fear, and as I focus on the fear, if I don't focus on Jesus, I begin to focus on the fear. I begin to focus on what it is I'm dealing with right now. And the closer I hold my fear, the less I see you. And you can say, but God, I, you know, I wanna serve you, Lord, but I just have all this fear. And the closer I hold it, the less I see you now. This is why you don't do this. Wait, oh, it's sticking. It, first service, it didn't stick. Now it's sticking. I must have fear and not financial problems, like the first one, all right? In, in this, I'm so glad this is working because these are dollar store. Praise Jesus, all right? Okay, my fear, I don't see much of you now. Okay, I have fear and I'm supposed to have joy. And I, there it is. Okay, I can't see joy, why? Because fear's in front of me. And if I focus on the fear and not on the cross and not on the joy and not on you, okay, I, 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 all of a sudden it's about me. You see, because if I'm rendered ineffective by my fears, I'm not going to help you. If I see you broke down and I see you needing something that I can be a part of and the solution, and my fears are, well, I can't do it. because No, God, God doesn't say, you know, he does say fear not. He still knows we're going to have it. But if we will hold it at an arm's length, we're not making it go away necessarily, but it sure becomes a little smaller. And when I begin to help you with your issues and I begin to say, you know what, this is where I can serve in my church family. This is where I can serve in my business or wherever it is. And, I, and I, I'm not saying I don't have fear and I'm not gonna be the, the cares maniac who goes, well, I'm just casting fear out in Jesus' name. Ah! Okay. Matter of fact, I got woke up this morning. I got woke up. Anybody get wake up this morning? I woke up at 120. Man, how sleep is so good. Sleep is so good. And, and all of a sudden I hear this. I was like, it's a coyote. There's a coyote right out in my backyard. I live on property, so there's a coyote. It's just screaming away. If you ever heard of coyotes, it's kind of scary. Matter of fact, when we first moved to Idaho well, 31 years ago, I went up to our ranch and we just had a trailer house and I went up there to go deer hunting. I sat there by myself and I was in this trailer house and the coyote started just yipping all around the, the, the it's camp trailer. And I actually, I actually locked the door. <laughs> I was like, I, I saw the Little Red Riding Hood or I read that book and I'm like, yeah, I, I, Regina had a little bit of this going on. I was like, I know one of those has hands, right? And I locked, locked the camp trailer and they screamed. So last night, 120, this, this coyote just, 
started just going off. And, and I was like, oh, man, I don't want my dog to go out there and kill the coyote because I have this little Havanese, so little pillow princess. And I literally just got, I'm like, she's going to go out there and have little dog syndrome and she's going to get killed by this coyote. So I did what every pastor would do is I went out and I turned the big light on and this thing's just, yeah, just yipping and it's out there. So I did the godly thing and, and I went and got my rifle. Um, yeah, and uh, I was so sad because it left. <laughs> it did. I was going to pop that sucker because <laughs> that's what we do in Idaho. And, and, and if, man, if... If you're an animal lover, I'm sorry. There's, there's other churches that, that <laughs> pastors probably don't carry guns, but I do, and it's just how my upbringing, but, but he left. But I'm like, you know, well, number one, you woke me up from a deep, godly sleep because um, church is tomorrow, and so the devil's using the coyote to get me tired so I don't preach a good message. It, it's all set up by the devil. It was the devil completely, um, but I didn't get a shot at it, and, and he, he left. All right. And then my dog was safe. My dog was smart enough to not go outside. She's like, I ain't going out there. Are you kidding? It's probably because it was eight degrees, but all right, that was my thing. So did you enjoy the story? All right. Okay. Welcome to Idaho. Uh, Animal lovers all around and they carry rabies too. All right. What do you allow in to stop you? What are you holding close that you need to let go of? Okay, fear will get you. Fear will get you, okay? And sometimes we have coyotes in our life that just yip and yip and yip and yip and yip, and they're really not something to be scared of. As a matter of fact, most coyotes will run away from you. They are very, very skittish, okay? But we have these, a lot of yipping that's going on, and we get afraid of it. And when we get afraid of it, we don't deal with it. We tend to stay inside. And, and God wants you to overcome your fears, okay? He wants you to overcome your fears. But focusing on your problems will keep you from fulfilling your purpose. I promise you that. Focusing on your problems will keep you from fulfilling your purpose. So we can always find a reason not to do something. We can always find a reason why we shouldn't be involved. And again, the devil will give you all kinds of excuses. He's the king at giving you excuses as to why you shouldn't do something, all right? But here's what we need help with. And here's what, as we go, Pastor Steve, you had a great idea. We were talking about like the theme for the year and the word opportunity came into his heart. And I was like, man, I love that. So that's our theme for 2022 is opportunity. Look for opportunities to make a difference. Look for opportunities to do, you know, what, what it is that God wants you to do. And it doesn't have to be nothing huge, but you need to be involved in some, some manner of, of ministry, okay? Whether it's parking or greeting or helping in kids' ministries, you know, we have a big, as we get into our building project, again, if you don't know, we're building, I'll show you a picture in just a moment. Uh, you know, we're going to need to be prepared for that, right. okay? Because we're going to have more people come and, and more kids, and, and that's really important is having strong kids ministries, all right? But we need life group leaders. We need help with upstairs, like our Wednesday night, like our preschool kids or the boys and girls. We need help in those areas. We need some leaders. And whether it's once a month or twice a month, you can play your part. There's a, you're missing the new Taco Bell commercial where the lady, she has the, the symbols, okay? The girl has the symbols and she's ready to play her part. And this kid knocks a music stand over, okay? Right? And it hits the trombone or the the yeah. and he goes Tegan it plays her part for her and then she's like I need a taco and she just leaves <laughs> it's a great it's a great commercial okay, sometimes we expect somebody else to do what we should be doing all right here's the deal you can make a difference in somebody's life you really can all right so that's that's we're going to be asking people hey um and don't always wait for somebody to ask you because we don't always know what your gift is 
We don't. All right, now, if you come to me next week and you say, hey, I want to lead worship next week and I don't know you, <laughs> I'm going to say, okay, there's some other areas that you can help, okay? There's some garbage you can pick up after church. And uh, uh, if, you, if you're willing to do that, then maybe we'll think about it if you can sing. There's a verse that says, make a joyful noise. But that doesn't mean you need to be making a joyful noise with the microphone up here, right? You can sing as a choir. All right, there's gifts. All right. But I was thinking back here, and, and I will tell you this. We have so many people, some of you involved in ministry. We're thank, so thankful for you. So many unsung heroes, some of you that are do stuff that nobody sees, our audiovisual uh, group, man, they're upstairs hidden in a room, locked away, um, you know, dark, and it's not dark, but there's computers up there. But they sacrifice. They sacrifice to, to get word online. And we have people, there's a lady in Hong Kong that watches. There's a lot of people uh, from a lot of different states that tune in. And I will tell you, if just one tunes in, it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it because it's making a difference. So we have our audiovisual men and women that do stuff that you don't see, but the world sees. Okay, And you can go on YouTube and watch it again. All right, We have those of you who are serving in a lot of areas and, and, and you're so valuable to us. And I want to tell you this, that you're not just filling a spot, you're making a difference. You really are, okay? I was thinking back to my Sunday school teachers because I grew up in Sunday school. And, uh, you know, it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We had to be there. And, uh, and that was just the thing to do. But I was thinking the other day about my Sunday school teachers and, and the stories that they told me about Jesus and the healings and the miracles and what they were investing into this kid that had ADHD, okay? I was diagnosed by a licensed professional not too long ago. He's a really good friend of mine that said I had ADHD, and I was like, thank you. It's not HDHD. I'm just on speed, a Christian speed. I drink a lot of caffeinated coffee, um, which I don't really, a cup or two a day. But most of the time, y'all can tell when I had an extra cup. <laughs> okay? And, and, and I, I appreciate that they took the time to invest into my life as a young man, as a boy, because I was a pretty wild kid. I mean, in Royal Rangers, Pastor Steve, I just remember the Royal Rangers, we used to get the coffee grounds out of the coffee maker and we would put it in his chaw. Like that was, yeah, I thought I was cool, man. I was like nine years old and I got a chew in my mouth and that's probably why I'm addicted to caffeine today. Because um, I didn't dare try the real stuff, right? I never drank or smoked or chewed. But, but, I, but I, that was my, my Christian chew, was old coffee grounds. I can't even tell you why I did it, but it had a strange effect on my brain that you can see to this day. <laughs> All right? You're not just teaching a class, guys. You're investing into some kid's life. That's, that's what we're doing. And so this year, that's kind of our focus is everybody get involved, all hands on deck. And it might be a small part. You know, we have a couple of guys that come in and they do the count. They, they do the offering and it's an hour and a half or whatever. But man, it's huge to me. Okay, it's financial accountability. It's two people you know, taking what you have given, trusting, and, and two people putting it together and putting it in the bank. Um, and we'll, be, we'll tell you with our building project, um, we'll, we'll release the numbers and what our giving was for the year, and it's phenomenal. And, and again, the beauty of it is last week we baptized nine people. Amen. People that are like, you know what? I'm, I'm publicly saying this is my walk with God. Okay, that's what it's about. You see, there's no greater feeling than knowing you did something that helps somebody else. Okay, I want to close with this story, a uh, true story happened to me uh, years and years ago. Um, I, it's, it's hard to know when you get 50, it's like four score and 10 years ago. Uh, when I was painting houses and when we first, uh, my wife and I, when we came to this church, again, our first, first, first Sunday, there was 15 people here. I had to work a full-time job. A lot of you know that. I worked for four years as a, as a painting contractor. And there was a house, in, a new house that I was painting in CUNA and uh, worked all day and 
locked everything up, went home. And that night, about nine o'clock, I, I had this thought and I said, I didn't turn the heater off. Okay, new, new construction. And so I told my wife, babe, we gotta go back and turn the heater. So we got in the minivan with our kids and I went back to the house and, and I went to, to get the hide key and it was gone. And I was like the last one there and I knew where I'd put it. Um, and it was where all the contractors knew where it was and it was missing. And I thought, that's really weird. So I thought, well, I checked the windows. I'm like, there's not gonna be a window open because I really conscious about locking all the windows in the house. So I went around and checked all the windows and sure enough, the last window was, was unlocked. So I got an extension ladder and got through the, the window. Uh, and uh, now I crawled in through the window and I walked in, I hit the thermostat and I was waiting for it to, to the fan to kick off and waiting and waiting. I was like, man, it's, I still hear there's a noise out in the garage. And uh, I mean, all the doors were on. And so I, or at least the construction door for the garage so I listened and listened. I thought, furnace is still going. So anyway, I walked outside into the furnace and, and there was a man with his truck, his work truck backed into the garage with his engine running. Windows were down. Uh, it was a man named Mark that I had, he was a, a, a contractor, and he was a siding guy. And he had had some marriage issues because I'd heard him talking to his wife on the phone and it was, it was, it was heartbreaking, like his conversation. She was leaving him and it was just a really, really sad deal. And so I opened the door and his work truck is backed in there. He's got the windows down and his head's just laying back in the seat. And I, I walked in there and I was like, I mean, fumigated. And I was like, Mark, I scared the living daylights out of him. He was, he was drunk. I mean, terrible. But he was like almost unconscious. And, and I opened up the garage door. I was like, bro, what, man, what are you doing? And he had a suicide note written out right there. And it was, it was a big deal. And I man, vented everything out and man, he, he just started pouring his heart out to me about his wife leaving. And, and so I talked to him for a long time. Um, you know, I drove his truck home. I drove him to his house. Chris followed me and he just gave me this big old hug. And he was like, man, I can't even kill myself. He said, this is the second time I've tried it. Cause I, last time I used an extension cord, I tried to hang myself and I jumped off this cliff and the thing snapped. And I'm like, you're not very good at this, are you, man? Um, uh, 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 yeah. Here, here's why he wasn't good at it. He tried. God had a different plan. God had a different plan. And I told him that. I would love to tell you, I led him to Jesus right there. He didn't accept, I, I shared the gospel. I brought him a Bible. I was like, Mark, you have a purpose, man. That there was no accident that I left that furnace on. There was no accident that I came back. It was a God thing completely. Because God loves you so much that he's not gonna let you destroy your life. You have a purpose and a plan. What I'm asking you today is, is to make a difference in somebody's life by just listening to the Holy Spirit. Okay, what, what, I, what started out as leaving a, a heater on was actually part of God's plan. We can take a mistake and God can use it into something great and you can make a difference, okay? God has a plan for your life and he has a plan for this guy named Mark. And again, I don't know really whatever became of him, but I do know this, I knew, do know that God gave him another chance. And that's what God is the best at, right? It's the best at giving someone another chance. So, so you can be, okay, you can be that for someone. Okay, God will have you in the right place at the right time. You can look at a mistake as just a mistake or you can say, okay, God's gonna use this mistake to bring some joy in, not only into my life, but into somebody else's life. Here's what I know. You can't help somebody up a mountain without getting a little higher yourself. Amen. Okay, you can't do that. We help people, we help people up. All right, you can be that for someone. Again, like our volunteers appreciate you so much. Um, serving is a big part of our walk with God. Um, Kristen said that in staff meeting, that, that, and I love that, Kristen, that serving is a big part of our walk with God. It's not just getting saved, it's serving. Yeah. It's serving, it's doing something with what God has given us. So again, this story is unique. 
And then again, I wasn't looking for a way to make a difference, all right? I was just available when God needed me. I was available. That's what God's looking for. So teachers, greeters, everybody that's involved, thank you so much. Uh, you're making a difference. You really are. Uh, we have to, to train ourselves to think bigger than ourselves, okay? To not be so focused on, on the problem, okay, that we forget everybody else, but to hold it at a distance and say, yeah, it's still there. I still have the issue, but I'm going to help somebody else in the process. And when we do that, okay, you will find yourself feeling a little better about life, all right? Our world is teaching our kids the wrong things. You know that. We counter that by being involved, telling them about the things of God, how to live a godly life. So if you're not involved anywhere, again, uh, we're going we're gonna to ask you to get involved somewhere. We're going to say, be a part of this. This is way bigger than us. God is doing something phenomenal here. Okay, my wife and I, we've been here, it'll be November, will be 25 years. Um, you know, that's a long time. She got here when she was like 10, because she's looking good. Uh, all right. And, and, and I'm more excited about where we're at now than I've ever been. And that's a great thing. I got high school buddies that are retiring right now. And I'm like, I didn't even think about it yet, right? Because God's doing something so great. You'll find a joy and do something that matters. And um, again, we do here at our at church, all right? At Change Life Church, our heart is to make our community a better place than we are. We're making a difference. And I want you to be a part of it. Okay? Again, John Maxwell says, I want to make a difference with those friends who are also making a difference. Like together we can do that. So uh, again, our theme for 2022 is opportunity. Look for those. Don't forget what joy means. Jesus, others, and, and you, all right? Put Jesus first, others second, and yourself third. All right, our best days really are ahead of us. Now, what are you gonna do with what you were just told? I want, again, I wanna just have you bow your heads with me just for a moment, that you need to understand something. If you've given your life to Jesus Christ, guys, your salvation, your, your eternity's taken care of. You're, you're good, okay, you got your reservation. The important thing is that you just live for God. But if you've never made that decision before, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm not asking you to join a church. I'm not asking you to join a religion. What I'm asking you to do is get forgiven. Okay, because you know inside there's no peace. There's something that you like, I can't find what I'm looking for. I've looked in a lot of places and I can't find it. Well, if you haven't tried Jesus, you're not gonna get joy. And if you want forgiveness, if you want heaven to be your home, if you wanna become a Christian and give your life to Christ, I'm gonna ask you to be bold and brave. Me and you just... Just look up at me or look at me and just lift your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to give my life to Jesus. I don't know a lot about this church thing, but, but I do know that there's an emptiness in me that you're touching right now. And that's a God that loves you. Despite your failures, despite everything that you have done, there is a God that still wants you on his team, but you have to ask him to forgive you of your sins. And does anybody need to make that? I'm not gonna take a lot of time. It's not my job to pressure you. It's just to offer anybody at all. Okay. Don't see any hands. If you're contemplating it, okay, look up at me if you would. If you, if you haven't made the decision and if you're online, okay, it's an easy thing to do. But I would tell you, don't hesitate, okay? Don't say, well, I'll do it tomorrow because there's gonna be a day when tomorrow doesn't come. It's a simple prayer. It's Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Something along those lines, God knows your heart, okay? And you'll be forgiven instantly. Another great thing, Instantly, with joy soap, you have to do a little washing like this. And Jesus doesn't say, okay, do the special holy dance and this and this, and then you'll be cleansed. No, all we have to do is say, Jesus, please forgive me. I'm a sinner. And you're instantly forgiven. That's how fast you become a Christian. Ain't that good? Ain't that good? All right. Well, I want to show you something. So we're going we're gonna to get into our, our meeting here. And again, we keep our business meetings about 25 minutes. Um, so we're going to do a five-minute break in just a moment. But this is our new facility, okay? Um, you're sitting in, this is 7,000 feet footprint. All right, this building is 25,000 feet, okay? That's a, that's a big building, all right? 
I, I joke, first service, I'll do it again. Those two tires there for Pastor Stevie's lunch breaks when he wants to do a little, little workout. No, those are actually, my wife's like, let's do fire pits. So we have fire pits. We'll have seating around them. You can roast marshmallows. You can singe your hair if you want to perm. You can do whatever you want. Okay, in front of those or going into the building, there will be roll-up glass doors, like a garage door. Okay, so in nice days, we'll roll it up when the wind from the dairy is not blowing this direction. Um, we will have those. Uh, the part on the right is a complete kid's wing. And uh, the, 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 well, oh, I don't have my laser pointer. My son bought me a laser pointer. I have it. So this, this right here, this is the whole foyer area. So it's no longer a cattle shoot. You'll be able to skip church and drink coffee because there's a coffee bar. No, you can't be skipping church, all right? Uh, this is going to be a great facility. The sanctuary will seat 499 people. At the least, at the least, you have to put certain numbers down for fire codes. So 499 people. Uh, and it's like, in the church, we're trying to keep people from the fire. So like hell, I was trying to be spiritual there. You didn't get it. Uh, that's our heart, all right? Uh, we'll start our chair fund up again. Uh, we're looking at 500 chairs or 50 bucks each, and we've already raised $10,000 for that, like you guys have given, um, which is great. And so as we begin to build, the plans are almost done. We're gonna meet this week, kind of finalize some things that we'll get to digging dirt out there pretty soon. It's gonna be awesome. Um, and again, it, we have a really good building fund, okay? So you're not gonna be up here begging for money for everything, and that's a great thing, because if you've ever been a part of a building project, that's what you get. And that, that is gonna happen a little bit, but not on the scale that, um, so if you wanna know how much is in there, we're not posting it online. We can stay for our meeting, but uh, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, we're gonna end now five minutes. We have a five minute counter. Um, if you're on our voting roster, you, I'm gonna tell you, you have to stay, right? Because I don't wanna plan another meeting. We have to have at least half a quorum. Um, you are welcome. If you just come here, you're welcome to sit in and listen to the finances and all that. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a team effort thing. All right, we have a bylaw that we want to change. It's just a simple thing. And we'll tell you why that is um, just a moment. So five minute break. Um, and then I will... Oh, child care is available in the kids' church room, right? Yeah, so anyhow, so take five minutes, go get a drink, say hi to somebody, and then uh, once the clock goes down, we will start, and we should be out of here in about 25 minutes. Uh, i got some really good news to share for you. Thank you for coming. Love you. Have a great day.